Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. I am here with Dennis, his Lions, big victory yesterday, Browns, big victory yesterday, Broncos, maybe played a game. Dennis, how was your weekend? Man, I'll tell you, my weekend was full of eventful events. Uh, My son had his audition at the Ohio State School of Music. We should find out whether he got in Thursday or Friday of this week, so we're pretty stoked about that. I feel like it went pretty well. The professor that's in charge of his department, really seems to like him. And, you know, my son was, Caleb was really focused on the errors that he made, which I can really relate to, because when I played, that was what I always was focused on, was the errors that I made. And, but it's it's a school, like, they're not looking for somebody that's completely a finished product. And they take into account that, oh, he was nervous. He's a 17-year-old kid, so we're pretty stoked. Uh, Hopefully, uh, by Friday, I'll know where a great big chunk of my money's going the next four years. (laughs) That is always a relief. Well, you know what? As a Broncos fan, I know where a great big chunk of the Broncos' money is going for the next five years, and uh, I guess we need to talk about their game. As we jump into the Week 13 recap, the Denver Broncos led 9-3 all the way until 28 seconds left in the game when Tyler Huntley punched it in uh, for a touchdown. The Ravens end up escaping with a 10-9 victory. Dennis, uh, woeful offense is nothing new for Denver, but Greg Dulcich, we've seen him doing pretty well since he got activated. Had a big six receptions and 85 yards yesterday. It's not been a great season for Denver, but how do you feel about Dulcich for dynasty purposes? I love him. I think he's uh, trending to be a top 10 uh, tight end, top 10 dynasty tight end. A lot of it's going to come down to what kind of growth does him and the rest of that team take from year one to year two under Nathaniel Hackett, provided there is a year two for Nathaniel Hackett. I thought we were Uh, friends. Huh? I thought we were friends. (laughs) You thought we were friends? Well, I I didn't wish there to be. I just it, it's very very rare that there's only one year of a head coach. Very few instances have occurred. Now Hackett, I think, is kind of doing that sort of job there. But going into next year, I mean, Dulcich looks good. He I, oddly enough, it seems that he does perform a little bit better when Jerry Judy's out there. Um, versus Judy being out. And so it seems like Judy's speed may open it up a little bit in the middle for him. Um, But we'll see what happens. Russell needs to get his shit together. Um, The rest of the team getting Javante Williams back next year will be a plus. Uh, And, you know, on the plus side, the coaching staff is going to have one more year of experience. Maybe they change offensive coordinators. Maybe they don't. Who knows? But I like Dulcich going forward. Um, it's probably not a situation where you can sneakily get him on the cheap anymore. I think he's flashed enough that if you're you're trying to trade for him, people are already pricing in his his ceiling. So for Dynasty, I feel like he's probably top twelve. Is that kind yeah. of where you're at? I concur. I I agree with you that. 
A lot of questions about the Broncos offense. How is it going for Denver this year? Well, let's just say a prominent member of Broncos media today said that the Broncos should absolutely be pursuing Baker Mayfield, who was released by the Carolina Panthers right. today. So that's how it's going. I'm on surprised the, you're not drunk. On the flip side, uh, you know, we talked about some concerns about Baltimore's seeming lack of offense last week. Well, Lamar Jackson had been kind of propping up a lot of things, both his legs and his passing ability. He got knocked out with an injury. They're saying it's not season-ending, but it could be days or weeks. Tyler Huntley came in, and despite the pundits on Football Night in America saying it looked like he showed poise and made a lot of great plays, I did not think the Baltimore offense was incredible for three and a half quarters of this game. They do kind of escape with the win. Uh, They had a nice final drive there, but... Did the outcome here say more to you about the concerns we have about Baltimore's offense or Denver's defense? You know, we saw Huntley last year, and he performed reasonably well. Um, It seems like an awful lot of dink and dunk, very high percentages, 27 for 32, but only 187 yards. So it wasn't like – I mean, I think Prochet was the one who – who threw the deep pass, and that was intercepted in the end zone. Um, Huntley had a pick too, but yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I think, you know, Huntley wasn't getting a ton of reps. You know, he's in the system for a second year. I think his ability to step in and perform is good. He's a serviceable QB2 with some upside because of his running. Uh, the biggest issue, I think, in Baltimore is the running backs have been injured most of the season. The wide receivers have been injured most of the season. Uh, Mark Andrews has been dinged up a little. Isaiah likely was a, quite a find. But overall, they've faced a lot of challenges with staying healthy at the skill positions in Baltimore. And losing Lamar uh, isn't going to help that. I. You know, the best you can hope for, I think, going forward is kind of a Cooper Rush type of scenario where Huntley kind of just holds on, pulls it out late. The defense steps up and keeps games close so they're not having to play in shootouts. If it ends up being like that, maybe they can win a couple games with Lamar out. But Lamar's, you know, he's not really had the kind of year that's telling the uh, Baltimore Ravens front office, you need to give me a big, fat, fully guaranteed contract. Well, there's a couple of things I would say. If I'm a Ravens fan, I'm having a little PTSD from last year where they were in pretty good shape and then Lamar got knocked out. Your scenario you lay out with Huntley I don't think is off base, except for that we saw that last year, and it didn't pan out. But I think Huntley suffers from the same thing that personally I think Lamar Jackson has suffered from too. Maybe if they're getting J.K. Dobbins healthier, maybe he'll be the answer. But they really have not had no consistency on the ground all year, which is a problem. And I'm going to go out and say it was a little bit of arrogance on the part of the front office this year, the way they handled wide receiver. I'm with you. I get the trading Marquise Brown. Maybe he wasn't happy there. Okay, but they they banked a lot on a Rashad Bateman that we didn't really see play a whole lot in his first year had some neat, nice moments, and then is out for the season again. And there's really nothing behind him. We're talking about Demarcus Robinson, who has flashed at times as a third or a fourth receiver, is probably their best guy. Devin DuVernay has never really developed into anything. James Prochet. I mean, they have real issues at wide receiver. They're a team that probably regrets letting Sammy Watkins go in free agency. That kind of tells you where they're at. And I I think that's a lot to put on Huntley. It's been a lot to put on Lamar Jackson throughout the season, too. On to another AFC North team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They seem to be putting it together. They roll up a 19-16 win over the Falcons, who now fall to 5-8 and eight as they prepare to go into their bye week. Dennis, we've seen Kenny Pickett maybe getting a little stronger throughout the season. Najee Harris getting a little stronger throughout the season. We like what George Pickens is developing into. What do you think the Steelers need to do this offseason to be ready to compete better in 2023? They need to take the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line program and go out and just get as many, the best and as many offensive linemen as they can get and bring in. I mean, I think Cincinnati has four new offensive linemen this year. Or Kansas City did the same thing. It's like, just go out and find as many and as good 
as you can possibly get and bring them in and then start to figure it out. You know, Cincinnati started off rough this year. The offensive line for several weeks didn't look like it was, there was a lot of talk about, oh, they spent all of this money, this draft capital, and they're not better. Well, it takes some time to gel on the O-line. Pittsburgh has not put any significant resources into the offensive line. Um, and they've lost a lot of really good linemen over the past four or five years to retirement. They need to invest heavily. Pickens is a gamer. He may not be a supremely talented guy, but he's a he's a Jimmy G kind of guy. He's going to do the right thing and mostly make the right decisions. Um, he's going to probably make a couple bonehead plays because that's kind of par for the course. But you give him weapons. Najee Harris is finally bouncing back after a slow start to the season. He had a good game yesterday. Um, George Pickens, like you said, phenomenal talent, inconsistent. Uh, Deontay Johnson's good, t- great talent, inconsistent hands. Pat Fryermuth is great. Talk about we we're talking about Dulcich. Fryermuth looks like a top twelve tight end too. So, but to me, it's really about putting money and resources into the offensive line. And some of it may be, who's the O-line coach? Do you need a better offensive line coach to bring the best out of some of these guys? The only thing that scares me about the Steelers having a little late season surge is that maybe it protects Matt Canada. And I really think they'd be, I'm with you hundred percent. They need to invest in the offensive line. We've been saying that for a couple of years, but I'm also wondering if it's a little scheme related. On the flip side, the Falcons fall to five and eight. And while they're not technically out of it yet, especially as woeful as the NFC South is, it feels like they are fading away closer to being something like the team we thought they might be coming into the season. Given all that, I've mentioned this before, is it time we see Desmond Ritter? I think it is. And, you know, and I get the allure. If I'm a coach, you, you want to play for something. You, you, you know, athletes need a carrot a lot of times. You need to stick something out there for them to go achieve. And the playoffs are that for the, the Falcons. It's dire. It's a terrible comp division. And so there's hope there. But really, they need to they need to keep adding to the team to get better and see what you have at some of the positions. I was one coming into the season that felt Marcus Mariota deserved another chance. I think he's shown us it's time to check out Desmond Ritter and see what's going on. There's not a lot of depth at the quarterback position across the league, and there's not a lot of quarterback depth coming into the league with this rookie class in 2023. We're, we're looking at a, a you need to know what Desmond Ritter can do. And I get if you think maybe he needs a whole year of seasoning, but at least at some point, I'd like to think they're going to be at, you, you should get him in to play a little bit at least. You can't just not play him. I mean, it, it just, I, I, it kind of feels like Arthur Smith has a lot more job security than a lot of us think he has because he's willing to say, I'm just not going to play him because we have this mythical chance to still make the playoffs. And, and so I'm going to keep riding uh, Marcus Mariota out there. And Mariota does some good stuff with his legs. And uh, he did, you know, 12 targets to Drake London l- l- this weekend. That was certainly something we've been looking for all season. All it took was Kyle Pitts basically dying out there. Um, yeah, I I don't know that I, I think Arthur Smith should necessarily be on the hot seat because I don't think he got handed a very good program. And it certainly seemed like with moving Matt Ryan and all that dead cap they were going to eat that they were basically writing off of off 2022. And that's what's made it kind of fun and surprising that they were so frisky and on the top of their division for, for the beginning part of the season. But I'm with you. At some point, you got to see what you got to know what holes you still need to plug. Down in Chicago, I thought the Bears might have a chance to get the upset, and they were they were leading for a while, but in the end, the Packers come back and 
turns out Aaron Rodgers still sort of owns the Bears. Packers get a 28-19 victory. But instead of talking about Rodgers, I wanted to talk for a minute about A.J. Dillon. We've seen him sort of getting a more and more run in the backfield of late. Yesterday, Aaron Jones had nine carries for 26. But it was really A.J. Dillon with 18 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Is he starting to look like a player that might be a feature back? Well, I think he's always looked like a guy that might be a feature back because he's huge. You know, he's athletic. He runs the ball hard. He runs the ball well. So he has that feature back um, build to him. So you know he can be in there a lot. Yesterday was really, let's see, he had 45 snaps to Aaron Jones, 25. Now, Jones is playing a little bit banged up. And so I think that may have something to do with it. They were trying to grind it out, and and Dylan is the grinder. He's somebody that that when they need to uh, eat clock, Dylan is their clock eater. I, I like where he is headed, um, and it kind of feels a little bit like, you know, when Mark Ingram came into the league, and he's this Heisman Trophy winner and high draft pick, and then he just didn't do anything for like three years. He was there and he played a little bit. And kind of, it feels like we're building. And then Ingram had some good, really good seasons. It kind of feels like that's where we're going with A.J. Dillon. And he's starting to build up. A, a lot of us, me included, I think we bought in a year too early. Um, yeah. And I, I had a few weeks this season where I really lamented my stubbornness for not trading Dillon away in, uh, in a standard league. I drafted him as my RB2 in a standard league because I really was I, – I thought he was going to get more of this type of work, um, and he just hadn't. And so I was really beating myself up. Um, but now as we get to the end of the season and it's starting to heat up a little more, I think going into next year, we're going to see even more of that. So I like A.J. Dillon. I think he's uh, – He's not going to get the the passing down work like Aaron Jones does. Even if Jones was gone, I think they're going to bring in somebody to take a big portion of that passing down work. He's a capable receiver, good good enough blocker. Um, I, I like where he's at. I like what he's doing. Um, if he does, he, but he's going to be one of these guys maybe that if he doesn't score a touchdown, uh, it could be a low ceiling kind of player. Yeah, and I'm starting to come around to to where we you guys have been that if, if Aaron Rodgers moves on this offseason, which it seems more likely perhaps now than it has in years past, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move on from Aaron Jones, maybe start a youth movement and rebuild a little bit. Dylan Stolen, that rookie contract would have some appeal. On the flip side, we saw Justin Fields return. He has done some really nice things this season, but we know how much this Bears-Packers rivalry kind of defines quarterbacks for both teams. Fields had a couple of nice plays with his legs, including an early rushing touchdown, but ends up 20 of 25, not a bad completion percentage, 250 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns, and the Bears end up kind of blowing a lead. Is this a little bit of a worrying sign? Do the Bears still need to build, or do you think Justin Fields is still struggling a little bit with that shoulder injury? Uh, I think that there's probably a little bit of consciousness with the shoulder injury, but, I mean, he did complete 80% of his passes for 254 yards. The one interception, it looked like a really, really bad uh, route by Equinemius St. Brown. And it looked like Jair Alexander ran the correct route and Equinemius did not run the right route. Um, and he, it, it, so I really, I don't put that on fields. That was a, that was a, a, a pass that the pass was right. The route was wrong, but no, I think he's good. He, you know, green Bay was always going to be a really tough matchup. And so, for him to to have the game he did, he rushed for 71 and a touchdown uh, and 250 yards and 80% completion with, you know, he's thrown to Equinemia St. Brown and Nikhil Harry and Dante Pettis, you know, and, and we're, we're looking at, uh, you know, Chase Claypool is, is the guy and he got banged up, I think. So it, it isn't like he's not out there playing 
with, with Higgins and Chase and Boyd. Uh, and he still had had a pretty good game. So I'm not too worried about it. I think, you know, there's until that shoulder is fully healed, there is going to be a little bit of caution in his mind. Uh, it's like coming back from a knee injury. It takes time to get full confidence in him. And, and let's face it. I mean, the Packers pay their players too. They're professionals. They play some pretty good defense sometimes. So. I'm also with you. I think the Bears are another team that needs to invest in some offensive line. But unlike Pittsburgh, they also need to invest in some offensive weapons. I still have hopes they'll get something with Claypool. It's kind of a blow that uh, Mooney fell off. But um, we will see how that goes. Well, on to a team that uh, didn't need a lot of help. Your Detroit Lions putting up 40 40 points against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who mustered just 14. We'll get to your uh, your boys in Detroit in a minute. First, Jacksonville, you know, we've seen them have a couple of nice wins. That, that early signature win against the Chargers uh, seemed to prop it up. We've seen Lawrence have a couple of good games, but it hasn't been super consistent. What do you think the Jaguars need to get better? You know, they're 4-8 and eight now, another kind of tough season. They're so much better than they were last year, though. So much better. They're not an embarrassment anyway. Right. So, you know, they could use a couple fresh feet for uh, uh, ETN. That would that would be good. Uh, I'm a little nervous. You know, he's banging the feet up a little bit. And we've seen how um, those types of injuries, as they add up, can really start to sap the explosiveness, uh, the cutting ability. Of, of a running back. And so while ETN um, probably wasn't always, wasn't really known for having a ton of wiggle. If you're going to take a, take what wiggle he has away from him, uh, that may, you know, you're going to turn him into a, you know, a straight North South runner in the mold of Latavius Murray, just not as big or powerful. Uh, I don't know how successful that's going to be. Um, but, you know, they, they put some money into their resources and they just, they need to keep, stacking wood. They need to keep chopping. They need to keep doing, getting the repetitions. I think Doug Peterson is leading them in the right direction. You've got Zay Jones. You've got uh, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, ETN. You've got guys that are just building there with Lawrence, and they're going to keep building, and the consistency is going to come. They had a lot of habits, bad, bad things they had to unlearn. Then they've got to get into the Peterson offense, which is fairly complex as I understand it. And then now they're at the point where it's all about developing consistency. Can we rely on uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence to um, deliver consistent fantasy points week after week? You know, he only had 179 yards passing. Um, But if he can get to the point where it comes week after week, you're going to get a receiver. You're going to get a running back. And Lawrence delivers. I think we're, we're going to be fine. And I think that's what they're building towards. Yeah, I think that's the part I'd like to see a little bit more is consistency um, from Lawrence. We thought he was this kind of can't-miss prospect. And I'm sure all that went on with Jacksonville last year may have damaged some of his confidence and set him back. He's had some good moments this season, but not enough consistency. On the flip side, DeAndre Swift, you know, finally gets in the end zone, shows some signs of life. What uh, that's looking pretty good. Um, and you also got James, uh, Jamal Williams with the touchdown. We had Amon Ross St. Brown going pretty hard. But yesterday was the first game from Jameson Williams, the rookie. I know some people going into that game were really excited, thinking he was just going to take off week one. Didn't get a pass yesterday. But what are you expecting to see from him in the balance of this season? You know, going into the game, the Lions coaches told us that it was going to be a snap count, that they were going to play it tight with him. Um, they just wanted to ease him into the game, getting get him some reps. He played eight snaps. He had one target. Um, I, to me, I think it's just him climbing the depth chart. He's more talented than Khalif Raymond. He's more talented than Josh Reynolds. And at this point in their careers, he's probably more talented than DJ Chark. It's going to take some time, though. He's got to build up confidence in himself, build up confidence uh, from Campbell and Jared Goff. 
you know, Raymond played 13 snaps this week to Williams eight. I fully expect that to go the other way. Reynolds played 60 snaps. So if you if you had 15 snaps and you take them from Raymond and Reynolds, now you're up to 25 snaps, 23 snaps. Um, it's going to be a while, I think, to get uh, past Chark if Chark stays healthy. Uh, and, and I don't think he surpasses Amon Ra, but I do think he becomes a great complement to him. I don't know that it's going to happen this season. I think you're going to continue to see because part of it is he just hasn't he hasn't been in the practices while he's in rehab. He doesn't have the repetitions. It's going to take time for them to get the confidence in him. He's going to be great. I think next year it's, we're looking at a really really exciting Lions team. And if the defense can continue to step up like it is, and they add some more pieces there, and they can keep that really good offensive line intact, um, I, then they're not going to need to replace Jared Goff with with uh, this offensive uh, artillery they have. And the nice thing for you is even if your team gets up there to 500, you'll still probably have a top five draft pick thanks to the Rams, just like the gift that the Broncos, uh, my Broncos have given to the Seahawks. All right. Well, on to Philadelphia, where the uh, ten and one Eagles met the seven and four Titans and blew them off the field with a thirty-five to ten victory. We'll get to the Eagles in a minute, but Dennis, the Titans. We've talked about this. They're in good shape to win their division and make the playoffs, but their five losses have predominantly come against other playoff-worthy teams. How good and how much of a threat are the Titans? You know, I'm sticking with my previous assessment. I think they're good enough to get in the playoffs, but they're not good enough to make a run. Um, I think Tannehill is, you know, very average to below average. They don't have a great wide receiver core. And uh, Traylon Burks got injured again. He's got a concussion. Uh, you know, who wants to hang their hat on Nick Westbrook, Akini, and uh, Robert Woods? So I do like uh, Chiggy Okonkwo. He seems to be... Um, taking over the pass receiving work as the tight end. Uh, he led the tight ends in snaps versus Philadelphia. And, and he's a very, very athletic tight end. So, it, you know, they, they've got a defense that has some hot and cold games. You know, this was a cold one. They, the defense just did not uh, stand up and, and do it. But they were also playing one of the best, if not the best offenses in the NFL right now. So while I like um, Tennessee as a playoff contender, I'm not expecting them to go deep. Yeah, and that's the thing. We've seen a couple of games now, too. Derrick Henry, they're so one-dimensional relying on him. If a team can figure out and has the tools to bottle him up like the Eagles did yesterday, it really takes Tennessee out of it. On the flip side, we saw a couple of close games for the Eagles, but they looked more like the dominating team we saw earlier in the season yesterday. Huge games for A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Another huge game for Jalen Hurts. Are they developing into a juggernaut heading into the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think they are. They're playing really, really well. And over the last two weeks, they've shown you a couple different versions of that team. Two weeks ago, they ran the ball down everybody's throat. Miles Sanders had, what, 120 yards or something like that. We know what Hurts is capable of running the ball. Um, this week, they were just chucking it all over the field with A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Hell, Jack Stoll caught three passes. Uh, Quez Watkins caught five passes. The ghost of Grant Calcaterra caught a pass. So they're just so diverse. You know, you're yeah, right. They, does, they went for know, over 300 yards rushing one week and then just destroy you in the air the next. It, it's kind of like the flip side of the Belichick, Bel, Belichick defense. They look at you and say, well, where are you weak? Okay, that's what we're going to exploit on your defense. You can't stop the run. We're going to run the ball down your throat. You can't stop the pass. We're going to throw it all over the field. And, and they're doing it, and they've got the weapons to do it. Um, as long as their defense holds up, they're going to be uh, – they're definitely a contender. Be honest, after Nick Sirianni's first press conference as a coach, did you imagine that we'd be here with them 11-1 and steamrolling people? No. No, you did not. It's, Hidden depths. You know, we I think we expected the second coming of Adam Gase is what we expected. Definitely. And, and it's like he's just – I don't know. It's like, you know, him and Mike McDaniel right now 
Uh, did you see the latest McDaniel video on the sideline? No. He's talking to the offensive guys. You know, they came off, and I think it was in this last game where they got their asses kicked. And he just looks at the guys, and he goes, hey, that's on me. I fucked up. Hey, at least he's honest. Well, we moved from one uh, beautiful performance of offensive and defensive football to Houston, where uh, I guess of all the games played on Sunday, it was one. Uh, the Browns had an incredible defensive and special teams effort, winning 27-14 to 14 in a game where I, they didn't score any offensive touchdowns, right? It was a special teams kick return, two defensive touchdowns. Much was made of the return of Deshaun Watson. Some people, not either of us, thought that Watson was going to come out and look exactly like he did the last time he left the field after a 700-day layoff. Dennis, what did you think of his performance? He goes 12 for 22, 131 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Did run the ball seven times for 21 yards as well. I mean, he was rusty, but uh, anybody who didn't expect him to be rusty uh, was delusional. Um, you know, he does know how to find Amari Cooper, 43% target share for Amari. So, you know, he's also where his interception came from, too. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I was thinking about this today. I saw a stat where they had these these shutdown cornerbacks who've given up. The, they're supposed to be these great cornerbacks, and they've given up the most uh, uh, the most touchdown passes. And my thought was, well, let me get this straight. You're going to take your defensive guy, and you're going to put him on my best offensive guy, and I'm going to say, I think my offensive guy can still win enough of these contests one-on-one against you. And now you're saying, oh, well, he gives up seven touchdown passes over the course of a season. Well, yeah, it's because they're, they're taking, you're taking their best guy. It's best on best. Somebody's going to win. Somebody, I'm sure the defensive back shuts them down. So it, 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 you just go that route. And, and that's what happens with um, the defense here playing the game and, Feeding the ball to Amari Cooper, of course you're going to end up with one being a little bit off target and getting picked off. I mean, he threw the ball to him 43% of the time. I granted, he only threw the ball 44 times. Well, the Browns' offense may have been ugly, but at least they pulled out the win. On the flip side, for the Texans, was it even worth it switching to Kyle Allen? No. But on the plus side, Damian Pierce is starting to run the ball well again. I mean – well, both teams ran the ball. Cleveland's rushing defense has been suspect all year. This was a matchup of two. Cleveland's rushing defense has been bad. Um, 18 for 73 for Damian Pierce, but he didn't get in the end zone. Nick Chubb, 17 for 80, and uh, Kareem Hunt, 9 for 56. I would have expected a couple rushing touchdowns from the three of those guys. You know, I'm not sure what the distribution would have been, but I would have expected a couple. Um, no, the quarterback change in Houston made absolutely no sense. It did not provide a boost. Um, you know, Kyle Allen is just a older version of Davis Mills. And, you know, it's I, no, Davis Mills might be better than that. Oh, I think so. I think he is. I don't know what the, the point of benching him was. Um, but, you know, Kyle Allen isn't it. Um, Maybe this is. I think they're going to be in the quarterback market. This is the real life NFL version of tanking. Yeah. Well, let's head to a a Minnesota where we saw two teams that might both be in the playoffs, and it was a very exciting game. The Vikings prevail 27-22 over the New York Jets. Mike White starting week two didn't get the win, uh, but he had a rushing touchdown through for 369 yards, put it up 57 times, has completed 31, had two interceptions. One of those at least was on fourth down at the very end of the game where you either score a touchdown or you lose. So kind of throw that out. But what do you think of Mike White? as the Jets quarterback? Uh, I think he's a journeyman, career backup. He's dollar store Ryan Fitzmagic is what he is. Um, He comes in, he's exciting, looks good for a little bit, then he falls apart. I mean, what is he? He's, you know, if if he's dollar store Fitzmagic, Taylor Heineke is great value Fitzmagic. I mean, they come in and they do some exciting things. It's not disrespect Fitzmagic. He lasted so long and he came from Harvard. You know, he lasted so long because he came from Harvard. 
he was smart enough to be able to do it. I don't know that Mike White and Taylor Heineke kind of had that same. Uh, I'm not letting those guys get get in that conversation until I can see the on point chest hair that we got right. from Fitzmagic. I'm kind of with you. I don't know if, if a team wins a Super Bowl with Mike White, but I will say I am enjoying watching the Jets a hell of a lot more with Mike White than I was with Zach Wilson. At least he puts it out there. You're getting to see some production from receivers. I think the Jets are at least fun, and with that defense, it might be good enough. I mean, the commanders might be good enough to get get in with, would you say, dollar store <laughs> Fitzmagic as well. Fitzmagic. No, I, I think what Mike Mike White is playing for a chance to compete for a job is what he's playing for. Um, he's not he's 27 years old. He's not going to get handed a job. He just wants a chance to compete for one. And I think he's going to probably earn that, especially when you look at the quarterback landscape. Um, there's going to be teams that are in need of somebody that's going to that that has the skills he has. I mean, let's face it. Josh Johnson just got called up by San Francisco. He's played with 14 different NFL teams. I don't think Mike White's going to go that route, um, but I do think that uh, he's going to bounce around a little bit and he's going to, he'll get a chance to start somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be in New York next year. Um, Sal is already talking about they intend to let uh, Zach Wilson get back in there and start some games. They're just trying to get his head right. Um, the head right part is my assessment, not their assessment. Um, I don't know how you go back to him this season. Yeah, I don't either. I, I, uh, I, I don't necessarily think. You know, I don't, I don't get the feeling that Zach Wilson is Baker Mayfield in the locker room. And so the Mike F and White T-shirts, all the Jets players were wearing. To me, I, I don't know that. I felt like Wilson was trying. He just talked stupid. Um, maybe he is a jerk in the locker room and an entitled brat. I don't know. Um, but I think I think White is playing for a chance to compete for a job somewhere. On the flip side, you know, the Vikings haven't been dominating, but they grind out another win against very good defense here. We've seen them stumble twice. Early in the season, they lost a primetime game to the Eagles, and then that strange game where they got essentially blown out by the Cowboys. But they're 10-2. and two. They're tracking to be at least one of the top seeds in the NFC. They seem to be tracking to comfortably win the NFC North. How good to you are the Vikings? I think the Vikings, the key for them is going to be, can they play all their playoff games at 1 p.m. Eastern? <laughs> so true, though. If they can do that, they might have a shot. Now, I, I think the Vikings have a really, really good team. I mean, they've got great weapons. They've got Dalvin Cook, T.J. Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. So they have a, a lot of weapons. Their offensive line is playing well, and their defense is playing pretty good too. They're the epitome, like when they get to the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, which I expect they're going to, they're the epitome of any given Sunday. They can go out and look really, really good on any given Sunday, or they could go out and lay an egg. And I don't know if that's just um, Mike Zimmer hangover. And, you know, in a year or two after O'Connell's had a chance to get more of his guys brought in, you know, develop more of his his own players that they kind of get past that. Um, but I mean, they look good. They're they're a contender in the uh, NFC for sure. Yeah, and I think the Vikings like magic number in the NFC North is one um, because they they already have ten wins. The Packers could get to a maximum of ten wins, and I don't know what the tiebreaker would be. Detroit could potentially, I guess, get to eleven if they won out. But or no, they can get to ten if they went out too because. They're already five and seven. So actually the Packers can only get to nine. So we'll have to go look. I wonder if the, they didn't, I didn't, they didn't say the Vikings won the North yesterday, but it has to be their magic number is one. Yeah, could be. Because the Packers have that week 14 by, they're already five and eight. Well, on to a must-win game in New York where the Giants and the Commanders battled to a 
20 tie, which you just know is going to have playoff implications either for the positive or the negative for one of these. It reminds me of when that happened with the Steelers a couple of years ago. They had yeah. that tie, and that's what edged them in. Yeah. Um, with their 7-8-1 record. Yeah. For uh, Brian Robinson, we've seen him kind of picking it up the last few weeks and starting to really take over as the workhorse. Is he kind of the backfield play you want now in Washington? Well, Gibson was playing with a little bit of a foot injury, and so he's a pretty tough guy, and so I feel like Gibson will play through that. But I also think that they're going to, you know, if they don't have to grind him, that's why they got Brian Robinson. He's a big back, 225 pounds. They got Robinson to be a grinder because that's who he is and what he does. So I'm not surprised that he is starting to outcarry him consistently. I'm a little surprised Gibson didn't get more work in the passing game. Um, and I think some of that might just be because of uh, being a little bit banged up. So I don't know if it's the the one you want. I, I think it's Robinson might be the floor guy. Gibson is the ceiling guy uh, for fantasy. And then I, I don't know. Uh, is. Gibson going into his fourth year next year, or is this his fourth year? This is his third year. Okay. So he's got one more year left on his rookie deal. Um, I certainly feel like they're gonna they're not gonna jettison him with a year left on the deal because he's been too productive. Um, but I think Robinson, like I said, Robinson provides a floor, Gibson provides a ceiling. On the flip side for the Giants, they started out hot, but they have struggled of late. They are 1-3-1 and one over the last five games, and their closing stretch of games is Eagles, Commanders, Vikings, Colts, Eagles. What does this tie mean for them and their playoff hopes? You know, if they end up tied with somebody, maybe they get that half-game edge. I don't know. You know, they've they've – they had a softer schedule to start. We felt like there was a little bit of a, a charade going on with them, uh, and they were playing above their head. Now they're starting to lose the games that they should lose versus earlier in the season. They were winning some of the games they should lose. Uh, they were very balanced yesterday, 31, uh, what, 31 passes, 30 runs. And I think that's the type of approach that, Brian Dable is going to take, but honestly, they've had to really piece together that wide receiver group with Kenny Galladay being such a failure, um, Sterling Shepard getting injured again, Wandale Robinson being in and off the on and off the injury list. I mean, they're playing Marcus Johnson. They're they're playing guys like uh, uh, oh Richie James and. and Matt Bruning's uh, draft darling from a couple years ago, Isaiah Hodgkins, for God's sakes. It's, they just haven't had a lot. Now, they did get Bellinger back, and he seemed to step right back into his starting role with good volume, and that's good. But I kind of put them in the same category as Tennessee. Potential to be in the playoffs, not really going to go far. I think they're a year ahead of schedule right now. So you yeah. got guys you want for fantasy, you want Barkley, you want Daniel Jones, uh, deep tight end, you're looking at Bellinger, wide receiver, it's probably Darius Slayton. If well, and that's, for fantasy. you know, when you talk about Barkley and Jones, that's only a, really a guarantee for redraft leagues because both those guys are in a contract year and it's hard to, it's hard to say what their long-term future is even with the Giants. The Giants were a great story at the beginning of the season, but uh, like if you were pressed – do you feel like the Giants or the Commanders have a better chance of being in the playoffs right now? Uh, I Honestly, I think I'm probably going to take the Giants. I, I'm kind of leaning Commanders because I, mean, I think it's a they have a little flip. better schedule. Yeah, it is, it is a coin flip. But the I, Commanders I, don't I, have two I, games I, with I, the Eagles and one with the Vikings on their last five. I took the Giants because I feel like Dayball is a be- better coach than Rivera. Wow, yeah. That, that was really – I use that as my tiebreaker. On to Los Angeles, where the Rams hosted the Seahawks and ended up losing 27-23 in a game that was a little closer than we maybe thought. Ken Walker got banged up for the Seahawks. Pete Carroll says his status for next week is uncertain. What would it mean to the Seahawks if he misses? 
Well, it depends if they get Travis Homer back or not. Honestly, it would be devastating. I mean, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Tony Jones. It's not a great running back. It, it's You're going to see one. another 367-yard passing game from Gino. That, that's kind of the uh, uh, New York Giants of running backs is what it is. New York Giants wide receivers of running back cores right there. Um, you know, I don't think – it doesn't to me feel like Walker plays next week. Uh, but, you know, Dallas has been serviceable. Travis Homer has been serviceable. They're low-ceiling guys. Um and, and they don't have the, the pop that Ken Walker has. But with a week of preparation and game planning, it's possible they could they could pull something out. Like what they had between them, uh, let's see, Homer was out, but between Dallas and Jones, they had 17 carries. So if you, if you split 20 to 25 carries between those three backs, 20 to 25 touches between those three backs, it should keep the defense honest enough to allow DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Noah Fant and Will Disley and Marquise Goodwin to do the things that they do on offense. And honestly, it looks like if if Geno Smith can put this team and my fantasy team on his back and carry them to and through the playoffs, by all means, dude has earned a contract. Yeah, and I wouldn't put them in, out of the realm of them winning the division again, especially we'll get to what happened to San Francisco. On the flip side, Rams don't have a lot to play for. They went to John Wolford this week instead of Bryce Perkins. Didn't make a whole lot of difference. But Cam Akers, 17 carries, 60 yards, two touchdowns. If you're looking ahead to Dynasty, how are you feeling about Cam Akers as a Dynasty asset? Well, first I want to say the will they only went to Perkins, in my opinion, because Wolford was injured. I think if Wolford had not been injured last week, that they would have played him over Perkins. I also um, don't think it matters. It, as, not a ton. Um, as far as Cam Akers, you know, we're seeing a sort of the next step in medical recovery when it comes to uh, Achilles injuries. We've seen wide receivers come back and be successful after them. We have not seen running backs until Don, Dante Foreman in Carolina and Tennessee. He has come back from his, but it took him three years. Well, we're a year removed from uh, Cam Akers having his. I feel like it's a perfect opportunity to try to buy low, late second, early third rookie draft pick, especially if you're a contender and you can get him for for late second or third round pick, um, and just store him and, and see what happens. Uh, I think he's going to continue to get better and get stronger, and it may not be the beginning of next season. It may not be until the end of next season until we see some of the explosiveness that he had as a rookie come back. Now, none of that stuff helps his vision, um, which was always kind of his downfall. But I think he's working his way back. It just Achilles take more time right now than any other injury. Um, the wor- I, I, No, they, there's one injury worse, and that's the patellar tendon. That usually is a career ender still. Um, but coming back from the Achilles, we're starting to see – a a timeline developed. And if you're a young guy, 22, 23 years old, and it happened like it happened to Foreman, like it happened to um, Akers, there is hope that when you get to about two years or three years removed from that, that you can come back and still be a good player. You know, Marlon Mack, he was a little bit older. I don't think he's going to, you know, all, all he can hope for is that he, comes back and can develop into a Latavius Murray, basically. He just, uh, he, he's, he was older, and I think it just is going to take him, it'll take him time, but he's not going to come back uh, to where he was. He's back playing. He's, he's being serviceable. Thanks I don't like Akers as a, a, a low buy. If you can get him as a buy low, I'm okay throwing him on my benches. My running back four or five, and then we'll see what happens with him for a year. 
Some of my concern is I don't even know how much of it was coming back from injury. It seemed like there was some attitude, some off the field oh, things. I'm hoping definitely because that... he he's a, you know athletes are supremely confident in their ability, their physical ability. That's that's their identity, and so he was like, "I'm back because it doesn't hurt." Well, just because it doesn't hurt doesn't mean you're explosive and you can cut like you thought you used to or that. He thought he could, and they're like, no, we don't think so. You know, we've got these other guys. And so, it, you know, it did create some interpersonal issues between him and team management, but, you know, you got to move past those. On to San Francisco where the Miami Dolphins came in and for the first time uh, saw Tua start and end a game that ended in a loss this season. They fell 33-17 to to the 49ers. Dennis, we've seen this in the past. The Dolphins have a great passing game, but sometimes they cannot get that rushing game going. Are they a little too one-dimensional to be a super true Super Bowl contender? So my question is this. Is it that they can't get it going? Or they just didn't. I mean, they ran the ball eight times. And they, they only threw it 33, so they didn't – or 34 times. They didn't have it a lot. But it seems like they just gave up. They just stopped they, trying to run it. They had a pretty middling rushing attack last week against the Texans, who are number 32 in the league in rushing, too. Fair enough. Um, but they've also had some explosive games, and so I think – some of it is it's easy to get enamored with your Porsches and your Corvettes. Sometimes you just got to hop in the minivan and go get some milk. And that's Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. Uh, I, I get it. It's, it's amazing to take Tyreek Hill out for a spin and Jalen Waddle out for a spin and go real fast and hug the curves real tight. You know, it's, it's phenomenal, but sometimes you just got to, take that over the road trip and get to grandma's for Christmas. And you do that in the minivan and that's Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. And they, they just kind of sometimes give up. They need to be, uh, they need to, they need to maybe force the balance. And I get it. They were playing San Francisco and San Francisco has a fantastic defense. Uh, on the flip side, the 49ers lost Jimmy Garoppolo, broke his foot. He is now out for the year. So Mr. Irrelevant, the absolute last draft pick in the draft, Brock Purdy now not only finds himself on a roster, but starting. Uh, yesterday, he was 25 of 37, 210 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. They got a win. What do you think of Brock Purdy, and what do you think this means for the 49ers? I think Brock Purdy will be backing up Josh Johnson next week. Josh Johnson was not even good enough to make the actual roster for the Broncos over Brett Rippon. You know, he comes in and he plays a little bit and he does some things. Uh, I don't know. You know, Josh Johnson is a guy that just sticks around. Purdy, I, honestly, I was surprised he was even drafted. Um, but San Francisco saw something. They kept him around as a backup. Um, and you know, I don't know. There's talk that they're going to bring in Baker. There's talk that Indianapolis is going to bring in Baker and let Matt Ryan go. You know, I, I think I that don't even more. know how Indianapolis can afford to cut Matt Ryan because it's yeah, I think so that was. I think that might be more of a, somebody in San Francisco hoping that happens. Um, yeah. They cut Nick Foles, or no? I think they were bringing Baker and cut Nick Foles, not Matt Ryan, and, and Nick Foles goes to San Francisco. Lovely. Yeah, let him let him take them on a Super Bowl run. Um, no, I I'm I have very low expectations for Purdy. Um, it's probably going to hurt the passing game some if he's the starter, but who knows? We we saw Justin Herbert come in, take over and do great. We saw Davis Mills come in and be a pretty good quarterback. Maybe Brock Purdy comes out of nowhere and does it too. Yeah, and you know, for a 49er team that's seemingly pushed a lot of their chips in on a 2022 run, this has to be a little bit of a blow. Uh, on to Cincinnati, where the Bengals just seem to own the Chiefs of late. Last year, clipped them in the end of the regular season and in the AFC Championship game. And you know what? They did it again, 27-24 to 24 win. Dennis, why can't the Chiefs seemingly get past these Bengals? I mean, it's just two good teams that match up well. Uh 
I think that it's easy for Kansas City to get enamored with the things that Patrick Mahomes can do. And I think sometimes that gets the better uh, of game management situations. They've been close. It's literally three straight three-point games between Kansas City and Cincinnati. So it's not like one team is getting blown out. But Cincinnati right now, is their defense plays just well enough. And Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Samaje P. Ryan, they're putting up the points that they need to put up. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, I don't have an answer. It's two really good teams that fight hard and it's almost a, a last team with the ball is going to win the game. You know, you mentioned Chase. He missed quite a few games and made his return yesterday, caught seven for 97. I'm also not that bitter that Tyler Boyd finally had a reasonable game with uh, Chase back in the lineup. But what did you think of Jamar Chase and his return? Thought he was fine. I mean, he does what Jamar Chase does, which is catch the ball. Um, Joe Burrow loves him. They are, you know, the friends from way back. Chase did everything you want him to do except score a touchdown. Yeah, I I thought he looked good. I'm happy to have him back, especially on the places that I got him. I'm I'm like twenty, like forty points above the cut line in Scott Fishbowl. And hopefully I get back next uh, – if, if I make it through, I, I get, like, DeAndre Hopkins and Joe Mixon uh, back. And so, like, I, I, need, I, I, need to, I need to get through. On to Las Vegas where the Raiders got a 27-20 to 20 win over the Chargers, moving to 5-7 and seven on the season. Are the Raiders starting to figure it out with Josh McDaniels? And also, how did the offense seemingly get better with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro going to IR? I mean, I think they're figuring it out with Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams is what they're figuring it out with. Like, hey, we only got two guys left. Might as well get both of them the ball. And it's it's working. Fantastic if you roster those guys. I was – so I traded for Josh Jacobs last week after his huge game. Um, for a playoff run, and and I was like, and and then it was like, oh, the calf, and I'm like, man, this calf better not pop up and and just ruin my season here. Um, but no, I, uh, he, you know, Jacobs is playing for a contract, and he, he's he's trying to make the Raiders franchise tagging. I don't know that they will. I don't think anybody franchise tags uh, running backs anymore. Um, but, yeah, get the ball to Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and let those two guys do work. Yeah, I don't know. The Raiders may be better off if they really have as cash poor as it sometimes is made to see him to chag Jacobs because at least you know you wouldn't have to compete with other people. On the flip side, the Chargers are a team that entered the season with some lofty aspirations and a lot of lofty projections. Some people even thought they'd make the Super Bowl, and now they are just 6-6. Six six. Okay, just say my name. I, I mean, I have them winning the division going far. I'm pretty sure Matt had them them going too, but we, we all thought the Rams were going to do well. So didn't you pick Rams-Chargers? as a? I did. I picked the Chargers to beat the Rams. It seems so good back in August. Anyway, the Chargers close with a pretty tough stretch. They have the Dolphins on Sunday night football. Then they have the Titans at the Colts and Rams feel winnable. And then a weird divisional game against the Broncos. And honestly, it doesn't matter how bad the Broncos are. Some reason the Chargers just really try to lose those games. They're sitting at six and six. I think we've talked about before. It feels like 10 wins is going to be about the minimum to make the playoffs, meaning they would need to win at least four of these games, what did this surprising loss to the Raiders do to their playoff hopes? It's going to be a battle. Um, they've got the weapons. If Herbert can come around, their big challenge, I think, was so many offensive line injuries. They've had a couple injuries on defense. And so that's kind of put them in a position where they're, they're just having to overcome that. I get it. Every team has injuries. Every team has to overcome it. Um, I think they're I, I, I think they can do it. I don't know that they if I if you if you told me I had to place a bet right now whether or not they make the playoffs or not, I would probably take no. 
Yeah, and you know, I was kind of bummed out because we finally seemed like uh, Herbert was getting his complement of weapons back, and it's just it's just not happening for them really this year. Uh, we shall see, I guess. You know, they have pretty winnable last three games, but they need to win at least one of the next two against some playoff teams. On to the Sunday night game, which uh, was a game for three quarters and then really became a beatdown as the Cowboys post 33 points in the fourth quarter. And generals in the fourth is where it was. Yeah, 33-point fourth quarter to get a 54-19 win. Dennis, for the Colts, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., we were very excited about him to start the season. He seemed to start pretty well, but of late, he's just been another guy in this offense if you're rostering him in fantasy, how are you feeling right now for this playoff stretch run? You know, there you're going to have some concerns. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing is that Matt Ryan is not the Matt Ryan of five, eight years ago where he's, he's going to be able to force the ball in. Uh, he's a heady quarterback, and he makes the right reads. He throws to the open guy. Right now, Michael Pittman draws the best defender. Um they have to, you know, some team, it teams that shadow, they're putting the best defender on him. If they don't shadow, they're sending double teams at him. So he has a little bit more of a challenge. Pierce playing against the lesser defenders is getting open and he's making plays on the ball. He's doing it downfield. And so the numbers are adding up pretty quickly when he makes plays. I, I like what they have. Uh, but right now, you have to be a little nervous if you're starting him. You're probably starting him as, at best, a wide receiver two, maybe a wide receiver three. Um, but he's he's leading the wide receivers in snaps. He's significantly out-snapping Pierce. Uh, I, I think even, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Paris Campbell is still out-snapping Pierce. Just sometimes, you know, the ball goes to the open guy, and sometimes that's Alec Pierce five, six, seven times a game. Yeah, and the Colts going into a bye week. There's been some talk they may give Sam Ellinger another look, probably just to break all of our hearts in the fantasy that playoffs. Would be terrible. On the flip side, still a lot of talk about Odell Beckham Jr. potentially going to Dallas, but we finally saw Michael Gallup getting going. He only caught four passes for 23 yards. We got a couple of big touchdowns, seemed to be a little bit more part of the game plan. Is this kind of the signs of life and breakout that we were looking for from Gallup? I don't know. Um, I mean, he was not efficient. He didn't have a lot of yardage. Um, he did catch two touchdown passes. He's a baller. To me, I think it just comes down to where he stands in the pecking order for targets. And it's significantly below C.D. Lamb. Then you've got Pollard and Zeke who are going to get touches. And then you have Michael Gallup, maybe even behind Dalton Schultz. I think he is behind Schultz. So... He's good, and he's a playmaker, and Dak will go to him. He had seven targets last night. Um, he just didn't turn up much yardage, uh, didn't convert some of the targets. Now, I think he does a little more downfield stuff, so the targets are uh, uh, a lot more volatile down there. They're a lot harder to convert. But I, I like Michael Gallup, honestly. I spent the weekend trying to trade him leading up to the Sunday games because I needed a tight end. Uh, in one of my dynasty leagues, a 16-team start two tight end league, and even though he's only going to be he's going to be 27 this year, uh, or maybe early in the off season, nope, I, I couldn't get anybody to take him for uh, uh, Evan Ingram or who was my other tight end I was trying to get wasn't Tunyon, uh, Cole Komet, um, and, and I just they just. I couldn't get it. Eventually, I had to send a draft pick, second round, 25 second round draft pick to get a tight end because uh, Tanner Hudson, I lost Zach Ertz and Tanner Hudson got cut. Gallup then went out and put up a, a big number uh, on my bench. Well, you know, I think the, the fact that the Cowboys seem to be, be constantly looking to get another wide receiver has made people nervous. I've certainly been nervous about what we've seen since he returned. I don't know if it's just going to take a little bit longer because he's had a couple of these injuries now uh, to get going. But I was happy to see him get uh, some touchdowns, but much like for you, he did it for me on my bench. That wraps up the Sunday slate so far. We close out week 13 with just a barn burner of a game with the four and eight New Orleans Saints at the five and six 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This has got first place implications for reasons that surpass understanding. I'm taking the Buccaneers. I'm assuming you are as well. I think I did on the the pick, yeah. Yeah. Do you have high hopes for this game? You know, it's football. It's Monday night. I'm going to have some pizza. I'm going to watch some football. I'm going to be in my glory. I think I might even do a little tree decorating. So I know. Start a fire. Just have the TV on. Like you said, the only bad game is no game. That is correct, sir. Well, that'll do it for us for today. But, Dennis, while people have some time watching uh, these two teams struggle to find offense, what should they do? Should give us a download, rate, review, tell your friends about us. It helps us out a lot. Um, and go listen to. Uh... Sorry, that was my. Apparently, phone. you have some music that you want us to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, <laughs> hey, and it's a big week over at Campus to Canton, our host site, where you can find the podcast. It's a transfer portal open today, and it's just nuts over there. So. Go check out their podcast, listen to them talk about uh, college players transferring. Yeah, and hopefully Matt will have recovered from that, and he and I should be back on Wednesday to uh, recap this game in all its glory and look ahead to week 14, the last week of buys where we have six teams on a buy. So start bracing yourself for that important week now, and let's hope we get a good one on Monday Night Football.